We Will Not Be Tamed, a Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation podcast that encourages all Texans to get involved in conserving the wild things and wild places of our state. I'm Lydia Saldani with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. We're recording this podcast today from what will be the equestrian campground at Palo Pinto Mountain State Park. And we've got some great guests with us today. We've got James Adams, who's the superintendent here at Palo Pinto. Rodney Franklin, who's the Texas State Parks Director with Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Susan Houston, Executive Director with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. And Annie Brown, who's the Foundation Project Lead for the Palo Pinto Project. I think I got all that out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's start, James, let's just start and, and introduce our listeners to this place. Tell us a little bit about Palo Pinto Mountain State Park. So Palo Pinto Mountain State Park is located just west of Strawn. Uh, we are uh, just north of I-20, located 76 miles from Fort Worth and 76 miles from Abilene. Uh, it, I like to call the area the hill country of North Texas. Um, it's 4,871 acres of um, what would be considered mountainous terrain for, for this part of Texas. Uh, it peaks up to 1,600 feet. Mountains uh, is generous. Mountains, mountains is generous. Mountains is generous, <laughs> but <coughs> for for this part of Texas, it's certainly mountainous. Um, uh, an area that's rich in natural and cultural history, um, going back to uh, as far as there've been artifacts as old as 16,000 years old found out here. So, uh, really rich place to showcase Texas heritage. So, Rodney, you've been connected with this place, uh, not only as Texas State Parks director, but as your tenure as a regional director and then as the assistant director. Give us a little bit of backstory about how this place came to be part of the Parks and Wildlife portfolio. You bet. Well, uh, first of all, it was uh, very fortunate we were able to purchase this land with uh, proceeds from a sale of a, another park in the Dallas area, um, uh, Eagle Mountain Lake. Fort Worth. Fort, Fort Worth, Worth area, Eagle Mountain Lake. Thank you. Um, and so we use those proceeds to purchase land here uh, and we've been able to subsequently add some pieces to come up with the 4,800 acres. So we're very fortunate that we were able to use those proceeds and it's also fortunate that um, I understand now that Eagle Mountain Lake is still used as parkland so we didn't give up anything and we're gained this rich area uh, for another state park so it's, it's going to be great. And of course, the legislature approved some funding for that. We're going to get into the foundation piece in a minute, but you want to talk a little bit about that appropriation and how that came together? Yes, ma'am. So um, during this last legislative session, we, we've, of course, have been planning this place for a long time, but this last legislative session, the uh, we were fortunate enough that the legislature approved $12.5 million uh, to help us uh, leverage with uh, other funds that we're going to get help from the foundation uh, and also some TxDOT funds. Um, and we're also going to use uh, some federal funds also. And all of that combined will help us uh, build Palo Pinto Mountain State Park. So the legislative session was very generous with that 12.5 that's going to help us. Okay, And that was on, on top of the Prop 5 that, that approved uh, basically gave the opportunity for voters to to approve uh, the sporting goods sales tax going for state parks and historic sites. Historic vote. Uh, Prop Proposition 5 hit the ballot in November thanks to the legislature and the citizens of Texas with some 88 uh, percent approval rate passed that initiative. So that's going to help us moving forward into the subsequent bienniums. Okay, so Susan, now let's bring the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation into this. What What role is the foundation going to be playing? 
The foundation is going to be raising $9 million of private funding to amplify what um, the legislature appropriated and, as Rodney mentioned, TxDOT. And so hopefully together, um, once we get it all raised, it'll be about $30 million. And we're actually sitting in the campground and we're surrounded by piles of, what is this, asphalt? What is, what is this? That's Silcoat gravel. Okay. And they're going to be, they're starting, I guess, the process of preparing the road to kind of get ready for the construction. Is that right, James? Yes, that, that's material to uh, do a seal coat on the road that will be entering Palapano Mountain State Park. Okay. What What's the timeline on some of this construction happening? Which Who can speak to that, James, Rodney? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, Annie. Yeah. Maybe Annie. Annie. So the, the timeline, a lot of it is based also on the fundraising side. So our goal at the foundation, as Susan mentioned, is to raise $9 million in private dollars. We've raised about half of that. We were kicked off with a $3 million challenge grant from a very generous donor. In late 2020, TechStop will start the process on the road construction. We're hoping by 2022, the foundation will start construction on the verticals because in addition to raising the private dollars for this project, we will be managing all of the construction on all of the hard, hard verticals that go up, okay. which is the first time the foundation's done a project of this size and scope in its 25 plus year history. Okay. And Rodney, can you speak to, I mean, this is somewhat unprecedented. Of course, the foundation has been involved in other projects, whether it's the Game Warden Training Center, Canyon Seat at Paladuro. I know we've done some work at, at Powderhorn, but this is taking it up to a, another level. Rodney, you want to speak to that about what that, what that means for the department? Yes, ma'am. Uh, absolutely. It's been a long time since we've had a park with this many amenities and this diversity of facilities in it. So to have the foundation help us create that um, is phenomenal. We had a lot of parks similar to this in the late 90s. Uh, but something like this in this area is going to be huge because it's the first one where folks can come kayak and, and camp and they can uh, fish and, and uh, use the lake. So it's going to be a lot of different amenities. It's going to be horseback riding here. And for a state park, this is a state park. It won't be a, natural, a state natural area, which is a little bit less amenities. It's going to be fantastic to have that kind of outdoor recreation taking place here at Palo Pinto Mountains. Now, James, you, you uh, I had the pleasure of, of uh, going on an ATV tour with you just yesterday morning around this beautiful park. And the one thing that kind of struck me was how big the place is, but how relatively small the development is. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the footprint is going to be on this land? Sure. The, the footprint of development, of actual um, construction, is, is relatively small when compared to the acreage that that the park encompasses. Um, I want to say it's somewhere around 200 acres for the actual construction um, out of a 4,800 plus acre park. So um, the majority of the land is being left in a, in a relatively raw state so that people can really experience um, the, the natural places and, and the, way that, uh, the way the land was before we got here. You know, the, these last few months, uh, I guess we can call them the times of COVID, right? Since early March. Um, and of course, parks were closed for a while and, and mm -hmm. y'all stepped up to reopen. And if there's one thing that's become really clear, it's how much the people of Texas need our parks. And, and Rod, do you want to reflect a little bit about what y'all's observations have been just from an operational standpoint of what y'all are seeing out there in, in the parks of Texas? You bet. So uh, I think uh, during this time of COVID, as you referred to it, it's been evident that folks want places to get outside. 
they want to connect with nature. There's a restorative uh, aspect to nature and people are craving that right now. We've seen that. Um, we would be absolutely overrun with people if we didn't do, take some measures to kind of limit the access because new visitors are discovering us and then people that are looking and craving for things to do are actually discovering state parks. And so Palo Pinto Mountains State Park is gonna be huge for that given its location between Dallas and Abilene. People craving the outdoors will be able to use this as an outlet. So we've seen it in uh, this past year with COVID and it'll just continue into the future. Okay, so Susan and Annie, I mean, y'all's, <laughs> um, if, I, if I can say my, do say so myself, y'all's superpower is raising money for conservation projects. For transformational conservation projects whether it was the keeping it wild campaign that raised money for powderhorn and the game warden training center and pronghorn restoration uh, the you know gear up for game wardens program y'all 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 know what you're doing when you're raising money um how is it raising funds in this in this time of COVID? what what kind of challenges is that presenting i mean i think it's harder to get in front of new people for obvious reasons but i will say one thing that when we bring people out here during this time especially, the park sells itself. I mean, everybody is just inspired and blown away. So we've been able to raise what we've raised in the past, what, six months? Mm -hmm. So yeah. during COVID, almost half of the $9 million from people who are inspired by just being out here. And you know, what I would add to that too is, while we have been limited on, you know, face-to-face -face meetings, we've really made a concerted effort to connect with all of our supporters, you know, through digital means. And we've done numerous stories about Palo Pinto and it's been met with extreme enthusiasm. So, I mean, people are very excited about this park. So um, I know Annie, you were involved with Canyon Cita with, with, the, with, with that build out. You talked about the vertical structures, which is kind of what architecture speak. Right. Can you talk a little bit about the nature of the structures that, that, that the foundation is gonna be building out here? So one of the things, and back to James's point on the footprint being small, we really did want it to be a place that people felt like they could go away to. So it's a, architects always use the word, but it's true, so that buildings will be light on the land. You'll, they blend in with the landscape. So when you're here, you're gonna, you're gonna see all this beauty and the buildings will just accent that. And that's what we've really worked to try to do with this park. And also, 2023 is the 100 year anniversary centennial of state parks. And this will be our celebration state park that will be opening in 2023. Rodney, you want to add to that? I mean, <laughs> no, you, the, the, the 100th year anniversary, oh my good, goodness, I remember yeah. the 75th, the <laughs> yes. 100th year anniversary, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal, Lydia. It's a monumental step for uh, state parks. State parks has a rich history um, and it's a diverse history. And we're looking to leverage that, speak about and celebrate our history, but also look forward into the next 100 years. So 2023 is gonna be a launching pad uh, for the next 23, the next uh, 100 years of state parks and what, what state parks could be and who will be invited and who will come and enjoy this park and many more for the next 100 years. So very exciting times. Okay. And James, I have to ask you because it's, it's uh, not many superintendents get to open a new park. And here you are 10 years into your career with Parks and Wildlife. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting thing. You know, uh, um, it's not something, it, right now it's a, you know, it's a once in a career opportunity, 
but uh, you know, hopefully in the future it won't be. Hopefully in the future it won't be so uncommon, you know. But uh, <clears throat> right now it's it's exciting and and um, flattering and just uh, a little humbling to to get to be a part of this. And of course, you you, you have a four-year-old son and a new baby. Yes. So you're kind of, you you just birthed a new baby and you're going to birth a new park. <laughs> a lot of responsibility there, James. Yeah. Well, my wife did most of the work on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll, I guess I'll take the park part. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting times. A lot of, a lot of new, new stuff coming up. Um, let's Susan. What what can people do if they want to contribute? If they want to get involved? If they want to take part in this? They can give the foundation a call. Um, they can go to our website, the tpwf.org, and um, look at the page for Palo Pinto and get updates. And then um, just give us a call and we'll be more than happy to visit with you and answer any questions and, you know, kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, we, we hope y'all will take a look at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Magazine. The December issue will have a, a nice story about Palo Pinto and kind of where we are. And there's, again, all sorts of ways to get involved at tpwf.org. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Lydia. Thanks, Lydia. Brought to you by Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, We Will Not Be Tamed calls us all to appreciate the wildness of Texas, the vastness of our Texas spirit, and why we should be inspired to conserve it. Find out more at wewillnotbetamed.org.